So we're coming to uh, week 10 in our study in the Holy Spirit, and uh, I'm thinking this will probably be the close of this study. Uh, But today I'd like to consider with you the idea of the Holy Spirit with us, the Holy Spirit with us. Uh, We have all kinds of Christianese terminology for this phenomenon called the presence, the anointing, the glory, the infilling, the outpouring, I mean, a whole host of others, other terms, all trying to describe being overwhelmed by and in a heightened state of awareness of the reality of God's presence. I know for myself there have been times where I have felt like I was in another dimensional reality, and as the song says, the cares of this world became strangely dim. I think it's really kind of humorous the way, you know, a few minutes in his presence and all the stuff that was so heavy on your shoulders seems to fall away, you know. In simplest terms, It is the answer to the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It is, in fact, and I really like this language, an inbreaking, an inbreaking of the kingdom of God. The king himself breaks in from his heavenly realm into our mundane lives and world. Heaven intrudes into our time and space in order to express in our real time God's eternal will for his people in that moment, which on God's side of the equation has always existed because he exists in a state of eternity. So he can make statements like this in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You know, he knew you as an egglet, you know. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Sometimes the kingdom of God breaks in on groups of believers during worship or ministry time, and his presence at those times adds a significant spiritual quality to the gathering. Did you feel that shift this morning during worship? It was like this point where all of a sudden the the scales were tipped in his favor. You know, whether it's our resistance or our stuff got out of the way enough where he became heavier than we did. He became more influential than we were. Sometimes the kingdom breaks in during those times and does not lift for extended periods of time like what happened at Toronto Airport Vineyard in the 90s or at Brownsville. And that is called an awakening. And for the most part, spreads through the church and impacts the church at large. But then there are times when the presence comes to a group and for whatever reason, God sees fit to bust down the walls and pour out into the highways and byways of the world, like at Azusa Street in Los Angeles or Uh, Rochester, New York with Charles Finney or the Jesus movement that swept across America from the West Coast in the 1960s, invading a young and daring generation 
with the power of the gospel and the reality of the supernatural. And that, my friends, is called revival. I think that perhaps for God, these times are reminiscent of the cool of the evening, the walks in Eden. A chance to spend quality time with the people he loves so much. Think about that for a second. God really wants to spend time with you. God wants to spend time with us. And yes, even with sinners. Please be advised. God is not exclusive to the church. And when you really connect with life in the Holy Spirit, you begin to realize more and more how active he actually is outside of the boxes that we think he has built to protect the church from the world. When, in fact, he wants us in the world. He just doesn't want us of the world, captured and ruled by the desires of the world. If Jesus is, in fact, the direct reflection of the invisible God, then it is not just his appearance, but also his attitude and actions that display the qualities of God in relationship to humanity. And Jesus' attitudes and actions, for the most part, were pretty shocking, at least to the elite religious community. Matthew 2.15 says this, And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors, uh-oh, and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? This is shocking. This is shocking to us. But remember, Jesus said he only, only, I want to emphasize that bold underline, he only did what he saw the Father doing. That means the Father likes to hang out with sinners, eating and drinking, because if he didn't, Jesus wouldn't do it. God wants fellowship with us. And he wanted fellowship with you and was in pursuit of you before you ever prayed a sinner's prayer. And we love that about him. Don't you love that about him? Aren't you glad he was after you before you were after him? be a mess if it wasn't that way. But here's where we stumble. He also loves and is in pursuit of that sinner that you just can't stand. Yeah. 
that drug addict, that alcoholic, that womanizer, that abuser, that foul language talker, etc., etc., etc. He loves them all. I see it at the food pantry more and more. It has become for me a wonderful school of Christ, a learning place about the love of Jesus, the grace of God. A couple of weeks ago, and I think it was probably the week before we closed the food pantry for two weeks. Every year, the food bank, the whole industry really closes down for two weeks. They have to do inventories and Certain regulations have to be met, and they can't function and do those at the same time, so you basically can't supply the food pantry. So we shut down with them, and we give notice for, I don't know, what, five, five weeks in advance. We let people know, and, and so in anticipation of two weeks of closure, the last week we were open, this place was crazy, just plain crazy, right? Uh, the cafe area was packed with little groups of people eating snacks and drinking coffee and talking about the various dramas of their worlds. Just a hodgepodge of voices and sounds and snippets of words and laughter and of complaints and advice. So I, I sit upstairs and I, I can isolate the conversations with my hearing. It's really uh, quite interesting for me. Mm. Oh, yeah. Very watchful, very watchful. You'll, you'll hear about one of those in just a minute. In the area between the counter and the sitting area at the bottom of the stairs, a group of several men were talking when one got a phone call and got into an argument with the person on the other end. Turns out it was his ex-girlfriend who he had been exed that morning. So this was a fresh ex. I think that X is spelled A-X. <laughs> Suddenly, his tone was one of anger and flashes of rage. And he quickly adopted that one word that we think will give us control when we feel like we have lost it. And he began to F-bomb quite loudly the woman he was talking to. F this and F that and F you and F, 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 thinking he's getting dominance. So I went down the stairs from my office very calmly and reminded him he was still, even though it was a food pantry day, in a church and that language was inappropriate. And uh, that seemed to diffuse the situation and I went about my business for a few minutes and then came back around toward him. And as I did, he approached me in a very apologetic way, which was... A little bit stunning to me because normally you don't get that. You know, who do you think you are? <laughs> I've gotten that in the past. And he started to explain why things had gotten out of control and perhaps trying to find some justification for his anger and actions. So I put my hand on his shoulder and I told him I didn't need to know all that, but that he seemed to be in a lot of pain and in need of prayer. And so I invited him to sit down with me right there in front of all his buddies, held both his hands in mine, and I just prayed for the Father's love to touch his heart, and he began to cry. 
said a few more things to him to try to encourage him and went back upstairs to my office. Now, here's the interesting thing and the blessing for me. I could still hear these guys talking, and their conversation for the next 10 minutes was on the need and benefit of prayer, specifically for the guy who had just received it. That's exactly what you needed, man. It's so good this guy came over. If someone had given you prayer, you wouldn't be in the situation you're in. They went on and on, told this guy all the benefits of prayer, which I just thought was hilarious. Hilarious, because they've all got little axes of their own, you know. (laughs) Axes and X's. Somehow the reality and depth of God's love for this broken man struck home. I saw the father loved him, and so I needed to love him also. Sometimes the Holy Spirit comes that way. In small, intimate, and impacting encounters between individuals done out in the open for all to see so that the glory and the love of God can be put on display. Sometimes those small, seemingly insignificant events can impact and change the course of a nation. In 1997, I received an invitation to come to Mongolia from Mr. Young Chun, a South Korean missionary. If you, yeah, there's Mr. Young Chun and his family. That was taken in 1998. I'm sure, they look a lot different today. Uh, he was stationed in the Mongolian capital of Ulaanbaatar. Uh, initially, the invitation was to come and teach classes at a small Bible college they ran, but the Holy Spirit had some other plans. As we taught these young students, we also had opportunities for ministry times, and healings began to occur. And so we started getting invitations to people's homes and to their yurts, which are those round tents a lot of Mongolians still live in. And um, so not only did healings continue, but there were deliverances and salvations began to occur, and things, actually, they shut down the college for a couple of days, and we did like three days of nothing but visitations from home to home and yurt to yurt, and it was, God was really moving in an awesome way. And um, so one day, one morning, Young Chun said that he had heard of a small Christian group that had been formed and was meeting in the basement of an old Russian military housing apartment building in a town over near the Gobi Desert. And would we be interested in going? It would be a three-day round trip. So, I mean, how often do you get invited to the Gobi, right? So off we go. And there are about a dozen stories between Ulaanbaatar and the Gobi Desert that some are quite uh, humorous. (laughs) So off we went, arriving there late on Saturday evening. We made arrangements to minister to the group on Sunday morning. There were about 40 young people, all in their mid-20s, and very excited that we had come from America and had found and come to them in particular. The meeting was interesting, although I barely remembered what I shared with them. I do remember what followed. 
There was one young man who was obviously the leader. He was a little bit older than the rest and an ex-colonel in the Russian-Mongolian army. Definitely leadership quality, and the young people seemed to love him. After the meeting, he approached me with an interpreter, stating that he was trying hard to pastor and grow this little group, but had no one to pastor him. Would I, as a pastor, lay hands on him and bless him and ask the Holy Spirit to help him do God's will for the people of Mongolia and for this little group. So I did. And as I did, I felt moved by the Spirit to say this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I baptize you right now in the Holy Spirit. Now understand that he doesn't understand English, and the interpreter is not interpreting my prayer. But when I said, I baptize you with the Holy Spirit, this guy got electrocuted. And he is zzz, wham, right down backwards, out cold, cracking his head on the hard cement floor because no one understood what was going on. The Mongolians had never seen anyone slain in the spirit. The Koreans were not familiar with it. So he just went down cold. All the Mongolian girls start crying. He's on the ground doing this and babbling a mile a minute. They're all crying, thinking he's having epileptic fits and going to die. I get down on one knee, and I put my hand on his forehead, and I say this, more, Lord, give him more. <laughs> A nice guy, ain't I? <laughs> he, in turn, begin to proclaim something that I don't understand, and he's still shaking. I ask the interpreter what he is saying, and she says she doesn't know the language that he's speaking. So he's going off in ecstatic tongues and intermittent laughter, and after about 20 minutes, he comes back around to the place where he can explain what had happened to him, to his little group, and they all start to applaud. And they start to laugh, and they begin to hug him, and we pack up and leave. But that's not the end of the story. Because the Lord loves Mongolia. And the Holy Spirit had come to one young man in a remote town, in a remote area of a vast nation. Two years later, I was reading an issue of Charisma magazine. And they were highlighting the extraordinary move of God in Mongolia, featuring the work of the Holy Spirit through a young ex-colonel turned pastor who started a small group in the basement of an apartment building and is now seeing the Spirit-filled church double in size every three months over the last two years. God loves the obscure and the disenfranchised. The hidden jewels of his kingdom waiting to be polished to brilliance by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And God loves you. Even if you feel small, even if you feel insignificant or unimportant, 
you mean the world to Jesus. And he wants you to really grasp that as the reality of your life. Now, I know that intentionality is really important, and I understand it as an expression of faith, and that has, been, has got to be pleasing to the Lord. But I have to ask myself if it is as critical a component of the kingdom living as I had thought. I mean, it's not our activities, right? It isn't our activities. It's his will. That is the overriding component that determines when, how, and through whom the kingdom will break in. I to share this little story out of uh, Numbers 11. I've always loved this incident recorded in Numbers, mainly because of the prophetic component. But I think there is a much deeper dynamic at play here than all may prophesy I think it has something to do with the inclusiveness of God. See if you can pick up on it. Numbers eleven sixteen. The Lord said to Moses, Gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tent of meeting and let them take their stand there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there. And I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. and They shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you may not bear it yourself alone. And say to the people, consecrate yourselves tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, who will give us meat to eat? For it was better for us in Egypt. Therefore, the Lord will give you meat. And you shall eat. You shall not eat just one day or two days or five days or ten days or twenty days. And I'm going to add a little attitude here. But for a whole stinking month. Hmm? Until it comes out at your nostrils. <laughs> this is just God getting real, you know. And becomes loathsome to you because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wept before him saying, why did we come out of Egypt? Why did we come out of captivity? Why did I ever leave the world? But Moses said, the people among whom I am number 600,000 on foot. And you have said, I will give them meat that they may eat a whole month. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them and be enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them and be enough for them? The Lord said to Moses, and this is a good question, is the Lord's hand shortened? Do you think he can't do it? Now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. 
And as soon as the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied. But they did not continue doing it. Now, two, two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other named Medad. And the Spirit rested on them. They were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent. And so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, My Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Now here's the inclusiveness. Would that all the Lord's people were prophets. Would that all the Lord's people would have his spirit on them. All the Lord's people. You may or may not know that biblically, seven is the number of completeness. But the number 70 speaks of being finished and complete. You might remember the whole forgiveness issue with Peter in Matthew 18. It says that Peter came up and said to the Lord, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Ever ask that question? How many times do I have to go through this? Come on, parents. Yeah, kids, teenagers, how many times do I have to go through this with you? Seven times? Now, you see to me, Peter's a hero in this, in this verse because I, I, I think I top out at four. Hey, you, you do me wrong one, two, three times. I, I can work out of that. Number four, I don't want anything to do with you. Leave me alone, you know. Go hurt someone else. Go offend someone else. I, so Peter said seven times, I'm going to be a good Peter. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. So what's he saying? I, I don't even know if you could offend someone that many times, you know. <laughs> He's saying you just have to forgive completely. You have to make forgiveness the finished work, the finished expression of who you are in Christ. Seven times 70. In light of this added significance, the desire of Moses, and I believe it is the express desire of the Lord himself, takes on a much deeper meaning. Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Seventy, seventy, finish completely. That God would have his finished work of redemption manifest through his chosen people, and in that, through that, and because of that, they would be complete. Human beings who once again reflect the image of the God who loves them and gave himself a ransom for them. There is a work that remains to be done in each of us. And it will ever be that way until we are transformed into what Jesus has become by the power of the resurrection. You know that you are a work in progress until he returns, right? And that will happen. Romans 8.11 says this. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give. Will also give. He's getting real inclusive here. He will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. God the Father wants to give all that he has given to his son Jesus Christ who faithfully died on the cross to you. So today as we pray, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to complete something in you. Now, when I said that, you might have immediately come to a thought of something, and this happened in the first service. Someone came up for prayer and said, you know, I get up this morning and said to the Lord, Lord, I just wish you'd finish this. I just wish I was done with this. So you might know exactly what I'm asking you to ask the Holy Spirit, complete something in me, finish some work in me. You may know exactly what that is. It may be that you're clueless, but your husband or wife knows exactly what I'm talking about or, or your kids, you know. So you can go ahead and turn and ask, can you think of anything? I mean, am I not as perfect as I thought? <laughs> And it might be that we're all clueless except the Lord because he has this ability to look at the heart and not the outward appearance. He judges at a deeper place. He looks at a deeper place and he deals with us at a deeper place by his spirit. He wants to see you complete in Christ by his spirit. The other significant element found in the number seven is the theme of Shabbat, Sabbath, rest. The writer of Hebrews gives a New Testament application to this Holy Spirit dynamic. He essentially says we get to cease from our striving. We try so hard to be Christian. That we out try the Lord. And he steps back and he says, you know, take a break. Relax. I love you. I'm doing this thing. This is from the uh, Message Bible. The promise of arrival and rest is still there for the people of God. Isn't that good? Arrival and rest is still there for you. And why is that? Peter answers that question as a proclamation of the prophetic fulfillment on the day of Pentecost. And I'm going to close with this scripture, Acts 2.16. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. All flesh. You know all those sinners out there? <laughs> you know what they're made of? You know what they're made of? Flesh. All flesh. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Even if they're outside the camp. Do you ever see a non-believer 
get zapped by the Holy Spirit and begin to prophesy. <laughs> yeah. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants, my female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. The desire of God's heart as expressed by his servant Moses has come to pass and is there for all who will. Let's pray. Please consider before the Lord as I pray that one thing you'd like to see him complete or finish in you. Holy Spirit. You're welcome in this place. We love you so much, Lord Jesus. Lord, we have gathered in this place of meeting. First day of the week, as you've revealed in the book of Acts, they gathered. They came to the place of meeting. Great expectation, O oh God, that you would come again and again and fill them as at the first. And you've been faithful, O oh God. And you're faithful to us. But today, O oh God, we're asking for more. We're asking you to finish something in us, O oh God. Whether it's something we can acknowledge and understand that needs to be completed in us, done, done with however that works, oh God. Whether it's something that we're not even aware of, but Lord, it uh, pricks your heart every time it manifests through us, oh God, and you would like to see us done with it. You would like to see it finished in us, oh God. Come, Holy Spirit, and do that. Father, you know us from the inside out. Before we were an egg in our mother's womb, you already knew us by name. You already had a destiny for us, oh God, a calling for us. We were so important to you through all eternity. Come and minister your grace to your people, oh God. Father, I pray that you'd uh, infuse those who feel small and insignificant today with the reality of who they are in you and who you desire to be in them. We're asking you to transform us a little bit more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ, today. That we not leave here the same as we were when we walked in the door. But we have come and we have worshipped you. We have felt your presence here. We have heard your cry for worship from our hearts, and we have responded. Now, oh God, Meet us, change us, and change the world around us through us, O oh God, that we might glorify your name and meet the needs of those who are caught in darkness and pain. To the glory of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Now, as I dismiss, if you need prayer today, uh, any of you prayer guys can come up. Uh, just come up. Someone will be here to minister to your needs. If you've got something you'd like 
prayer about or if you need healing or uh, anything at all, just come up for prayer otherwise. The Lord bless you and keep you, and uh, may you become a fountain of grace and love for someone who desperately needs some grace and love this week. Amen? Amen. Go in peace.